how this goes today. I'll do my very best with what I have to work with. We're going to be in the book of 1 John. That's the epistle 1 John. And we're going to be in the third, or rather, 1 John, the third chapter, the first to the tenth verses. And it reads like this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared and was appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him or her. And he cannot keep sinning, because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So we'll ask the Lord to place his blessing upon the reading of the word this morning. Um, I just realized that there's something I need to share with you, and I'm trying to fight my screen. There it goes, to get what I need. Um, What I want to share with you, church, has nothing to do with the text I just read, but now that we are at this point in the service, Um, I need to share it with you. And so I'm going to share it, then we'll pray, and we'll get into this message on 1 John chapter 3. You know, it's been a a couple of rough years for Westbrook Park Church. We went through a difficult 2019. Uh, We got to 2020 and thought that we could see a little bit of sunshine on the horizon, and this COVID came along, and it made things difficult. And some of you have lived through this. You've been uh, together through this. It's not been easy on you. It certainly has not been easy on the church, and it's been a difficult couple of years. But one of the things that Westbrook Park Church uh, intentionally chose to do um, a couple of years ago was to open up what is called Westbrook Park Place. And our intention in doing that was to provide a ministry to the families who actually are in our community that would provide child care and preschool services to them, uh, but also would serve uh, as one of the ministries of the church uh, in a different way. And, and you'll recall, if you've been with us for any time, that we entered into a uh, program with the state of Ohio, uh, which is called Step Up to Quality. And you begin that with one star, you go to five stars. Just about a year ago, uh, we achieved our first star. And our hope was um, that we would go to two stars and then three stars, and generally thinking that would take us four or five years to get to, because it's not something that happens 
uh, generally over real quickly. And our, our director, Chris Wolf, and the teachers, uh, the staff that she has down there, one of whom's here today, Missy, they do a great job. But Chris had said to me, Chris had said to me, you know, we are going to um, try to go for two stars. So we'll, we'll move beyond two to three in our next um, uh, inspection and try to get the church to three stars, the, the preschool to three stars. Well, not long ago, unexpectedly, the state inspector showed up. And it's too big of a story for me to explain to you how God worked in this situation. But God worked in a very unique way to have the circumstances just so that um, we had the opportunity to possibly uh, go a little higher than we expected to go. It was not planned because this was an unannounced inspection. But they came and they inspected and they spoke with our staff, spoke actually with Missy that is here today, spoke with Chris, went over all the things. And church, listen to this because this is so special. We didn't go to two stars. We didn't go to three stars. We didn't go to four stars. Westbrook Park Place Preschool and Child Care is today, a, well, on May 6th or 7th, it will be a five-star rated, the highest rating you can get. And, and, yeah, and, and we did that in two years. Never, ever, ever achieved before at Westbrook Park five stars. And I, I take no credit whatsoever. I give a lot of it to Chris and her staff, and I give a whole lot to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I honk with you, even though I don't have a horn. You need to hear that. You need to know that this morning. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for how good you are uh, for this place that we've arrived at in our church's life. We are grateful to you. We trust you for these days, Lord, even though it has been tough. You have shown us in a variety of ways through people and through programming and just by being here with us that your hand is heartily at work with us. So, Lord, bless us now again as we enter into this time of looking to your word. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to go through this message kind of quick today, church. goes like this. You may recall that back in the 70s, there was a little problem we had uh, called a fuel, sh fuel shortage. We had gas problems. We had those great big cars that I loved. You know, I had a 1974 Grand Prix. It was blue with a 402 Oldsmobile engine in it, white Landau top, white leather seats. I mean, it was a beautiful car. I loved that car, but man, could it drink gasoline. And we had this problem, you know. In those days, with we didn't have gas, there was a fuel shortage, and the push was on to begin to make cars that could be a little bit more fuel efficient. And back in that day, somebody came up uh, with the idea for a car. Now, some of you will remember this, and some of you will not. But somebody came up with the idea for a car that was called the Dale. D-A-L-E. It was named after the guy who came up with the concept. It was the Dale. And the Dale, uh, in essence was a three-wheeled vehicle. Can you believe that? It had two wheels in the front and one wheel in the back. And it was very, very extremely lightweight. It was able to get almost 70 miles to a gallon. It was super safe. Uh, they ran it into a wall at 50 miles an hour, and they said that it just barely got scraped and got touched. And people were into it because of the fuel shortage. Folks that had money invested. Back in that day, they figured that there was something like $70 million that was invested into the Dale. Now, that's a pile of money. If you don't, if you don't recognize, I mean, 
today we talk in billions and trillions, but in early 1970s, $70 million was a pile of money, wasn't it? I mean, that was something else. And so your question, as you're hearing me talk about this, oh, let me tell you a little bit more. The Dale was actually so popular, it was on the cover of several Motor Trend, and I think it made it to Time Magazine, but it also was actually uh, the, the, the prototype car was on the Price is Right. It was the showcase prize for the Price is Right. So in other words, the person that won that, when the Dale was actually put into production, they were going to get one of the first Dales that rolled off the assembly line. Now here's what I want to ask you, and you're probably asking yourself right now. If all of that is true, why have we never heard of it? What happened to it? Where did it go? Well, let me tell you, church, it was a fraud. Can you believe that? (laughs) It beat Bob Barker, and it was a fraud. People invested in it, and what they found out after time was that there was no factory. There really was just this vehicle that was a put-together piece of junk that somebody threw together from a variety of vehicles. I remember, I think it had a Ford Pinto key in the back, It wouldn't function. It wasn't going to work. And in fact, the person that came up with it had actually spent time in prison (laughs) before they went into producing cars. It was a hoax. It was not true. The car never actually existed. It was a counterfeit. It was a fraud. Similarly, I'll tell you that, you know, the Treasury Department, when they go looking to train their their agents on how to deal with counterfeit money, you would think that they would study counterfeit bills, wouldn't you? That's not what they do. They actually train their agents how to look and to realize what is real. They give them real money and make them feel it, and they train them to the point that they can actually pick up a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill or a fifty dollar bill and buy just its feel, know whether it's real or it's fake. This morning in 1 John chapter 3, one of the things that John is telling us is that there are Christians and there's also the possibility of counterfeit Christians. There, there will be a, and so what John gives us in this passage this morning is a long list of evil characteristics of the fake. But more important than that, he gives us a clear description of what God's children look like. And the key verse in this passage is the 10th verse, the last one that I read you. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Church, let me tell you how you know the real deal. The real child of God will love other Christians in spite of the differences they have. How do we know that we are a true child of God? Uh, John tells us if you know that he is righteous, you can be sure that everyone that practices that righteousness has been born by him. In the first verse, he says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves all the others that have been born of him. And so with that in mind, church, I want to walk you through this. Uh, a, a verse at a time. Now, as I get into it, we're going to talk a little bit about the counterfeits. I told you that. And I want to say something up front. 
your response to what we're about to talk about today may be that everybody sins, right? You'd say, everybody sins, Joe, and that's true. Everybody sins. Fact is that most days when I get out of bed, I pray and I tell the Lord, Lord, I am so glad for this day you've given me. And I know that it's going to be a beautiful day. And I know that as I've gone through the day so far, nothing's happened. But in a minute, I'm going to put my feet on the floor. Because that's when it starts, church. Yes, we are all sinners. If you go back and look at the great people of the Bible, remember Abraham? Abraham lied about his wife. You remember Moses? Moses led the people of Israel up out of bondage in Egypt. What did he do? He got angry, and he smote that rock twice. He got upset with the people of God several times over. And even Jesus in his life had Judas as well as Peter, who denied him three times. But I want to point out regarding Peter and regarding Abraham and regarding Moses, these were incidents. They were not life patterns. They were incidents. They were not life patterns. And church, hear me, that's the difference between a true child of God and someone that is not. It will become that sin is an incident in our lives and not a habit. The reason that the child of God knows God, the unsafe person may talk about God, but the difference is that the child of God has a relationship. The unsafe person may go into a church building, but the Christian knows that they are in the presence of Jesus Christ no matter where they go, at Target, at Walmart, at Kroger's, at Giant Eagle, and in the church building, believe it or not. The child of God knows that they're his. And so let's walk through this a verse at a time. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Church, the entire plan of salvation that God gives us in Scripture begins with the fact that Jesus loves us. You just need to know that. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that he would choose to call us his children. That love calls us God's children. And so John continues and says, Beloved, right now we are God's children. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we'll be like him. You see, the first verse tells us what we are. We're God's children. But the second verse tells us what we're going to be. We're his children now, but what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him. God wants us to understand that we can experience the new birth and become what he calls us to be. Philippians 2 says this, Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Church, it doesn't stop here. What we are, what we shall be. And in the third verse, John writes this, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Church, God loves who we are. He loves who he's making us to be. And he loves how he's calling us to live that out in this life. You see, when you become a Christian, you are a walking expression of the love of God. So often we have quoted uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. And I agree with that. The grace of God is wonderful, 
But understand that the grace of God that saves us is only an expression of the love of God for us. The late Warren Wearsby said this, An unbeliever who sins is a creature sinning against his creator. But a Christian who sins is a child sinning against his father. The unbeliever sins against law and the believer sins against love. That is so important to remember. As an unbeliever, when we sin, we're sinning against the Ten Commandments and God's law to us. But as a believer in Christ, we actually are sinning against the love of God extended to us in Christ Jesus. And so John goes on to say, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. All you need to know about that church is that as Christians and children of the king, we should avoid sin. The Bible says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. God calls us to get the rebellion out of our heart. God calls us to get the root of all evil out of our being. He calls us to live in a way as children of the king. That sin does not rule in our lives, but Jesus Christ does. And so John goes on to say, You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And then John says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Church, if anybody ever suggests to you that you can be a Christian and intentionally sin, that just isn't so. If I suggest to you that you can be a Christian and you will sin, that's so. But if they suggest that you can willfully choose to just live a life of sin, there's something wrong. Don't listen to that. Because John wants us to understand Christ's purpose and what he came for. He came because he loved us and he gave his life to die for us so we'd be able to be set free from sin. In the 8th verse, John writes this. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Church, listen. John identifies the brother of Jesus who wrote this, identifies identifies the devil as a real being. Whatever name you choose to call him, this disciple of Jesus chose to tell us that Satan is real. Call him the prince of this world, the dragon, whatever you want to call him. John says he's real. But there's a great difference between Jesus and Satan. If you look at what we've said here today, in Jesus was no sin at all. And it seems to be that in Satan there is nothing but sin. Now let me stop and tell you what John has told us so far, just to keep you on board. The first thing in the first three verses that John told us is this, God loves us. That's pretty simple. God loves us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. And the second thing that John told us is how Jesus chose to express it. And that's found in the fourth to the sixth verses. Jesus chose to express that love by dying for us. And now in the ninth verse, 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. He can't keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Why does the genuine, real, true Christian avoid sin? It's very simple, because there's a new seed in that person. Whether he or her is a he or a she or whatever they are, if they know Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been placed in their being, and they can't keep on sinning. And in the 10th verse, which I told you was the key verse this morning, by this it's evident that we are the children of God. And who, and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Church, when a person accepts Jesus Christ into their life, deep spiritual change will occur in their life. They are given a new position in the presence of God. They are what the Bible calls justified. Their new position sets them aside not only in the heavenly places, but in this life to be used for God's purposes. Not for their own purposes, but to live a life for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. John would call that in his gospel the new birth, born again. But the only way whatever you call it, that you can become a child of God is to fully trust Jesus Christ for his salvation and his forgiveness and allow that new seed to be planted in us. Remember how John began this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So church, let me back up and cover again what I've already told you. First three verses, God loves us. Verses four to six, He expressed that in the death of Jesus upon the cross. The next four verses, he planted a seed in those that believe in Jesus called the Holy Spirit that will not allow us to willfully sin against him. And that brings me to my bottom line. The love of God empowers us to live for Jesus. Can I tell you something? You won't. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. There are days that I wake up, and I don't want to be pastor. (laughs) There are days that I wake up that I don't want to be pastor. When we had little kids at home, when my kids were growing up, there were days when I woke up that I did not want to be daddy. And you may not understand that, but if you take yourself back to when the Legos were on the floor and you were walking on top of them and your toes were ready to fall off, you will remember why I say that to you. But the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross empowers us to live. Think of that. The death of Jesus not only empowers us to live, but it authorizes us to live. And the death of Jesus upon the cross strengthens us to carry our cross for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death of ourselves in us makes room for the Holy Spirit to move and reside in us. And the empty tomb of our former life of sin makes way for the new residence of Jesus. Jesus Christ to live in us. So God's love for us emboldens us to live for him, and God's life in us nourishes us to live for him. So what am I saying this morning, church? When I say to you the love of God empowers us to live for Jesus, if you wake up this week and you determine that it's going to be hard to do what God would have you to do, remember, he died to empower you to do that. 
If you wake up this week and you find that what's on your plate is more difficult than you could have ever imagined, remember that Jesus carried not only our sin but our sickness upon the cross. And he did that so you could live through yours. Remember that God's life in us nourishes us. God's love for us emboldens us. And because of Jesus, no matter what life brings our way, we can live for him. Amen and amen.